woman to woman how's everybody doing um and welcome to all of our facebook um, live watchers as well um happy women's month is it international women's month or just women's month whatever it's women's um, month and yesterday was international mm -hmm. women's international day yeah I, I never understood that, but okay. Thank you all. <laughs> well, happy, happy Women's Month and uh, happy belated um, International Women's Day. Um, if you have been tuned in to us, we did the um, Mama's Boy episode last. Um, I know it's kind of been, it's been a month since we recorded that. And I know we talked about doing um, the relationship between um, daughters and their dads or daughters and their moms, um, which we still probably will do. Um, but for International Women's Month, I thought it would be cool to have more of a woman-centered topic since this is a woman-led podcast. Um, so um, one of the things that Miss um, Ronita and I have been talking about, she started a Bible study recently um, that does talk about the role of women in the church. Um, so I thought that it would be good to kind of bring that conversation that she's been having with her Bible study to the podcast. Um, and also with us, like I said, us all being women, us all being black women, I think that intersectionality in and of itself will create a pretty good conversation um so do you want to tell us a little bit about your bible study yes yeah, so the bible study um is on wednesday so it'll be today at seven o'clock um it's over the book righteous discontent um written by evelyn brooks higginbotham <laughs> and the, i'm sorry the, the book actually talks about the history of um women in church right the history of um women's day you know um it really talks about the formation of the um of when you talk about the baptist um, union but the women's union so really coming together and having that women's council and really the women having a voice and it was around the era of the suffrage when women were trying to get the right to vote and at the same time blacks were trying to get the right and um, and so it's just based off of that era and just talks about um, all that women in the church did to be able to have a voice. Wow. Yeah, it's a great That's book. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. And that book actually is um, what we're using to help, because I saw that on there too, that um, is to help people understand the history because in July, which is really Women's Day historically, right, um, the last... Sunday in July, we're having a movement and it is, you know, um, a day without women in church. And so, um, and it's really trying to bring back that action plan and really helping the world see the importance of women in church mm. by not being there. Right. And it's not that we're not going to be there just sitting at home chilling. We're actually going to form a group and go to Dayton, Ohio, where it was founded. And, um, and have a movement there but really get women together and have this call of action of how we can go back and really build our presence okay. so definitely um tap in with that bible study and also later on for um the day without women um which we'll also talk about a little bit more um later on in the podcast um, so talking about the role of women, I kind of broke it down into three um, different areas of life. We have work, we have the home, and we have the church, finally. Um, so, you know, we all here working women. And so um, what kind of has been you, you guys' experience as a woman in, in your own fields? And tell us what your field is. Would you like me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Um, well, I work. I work. I'm pretty much a social worker. Um, I um, am a guardian ad litem. I advocate for the best interests of children in the child welfare system. Um, I've been working in that system for it'll be six years this March, uh, May, um, and being a woman it's more of a woman dominated field majority of the my coworkers, majority of the people I work with are women Mm -hmm. Um, you do very rarely see men specifically black a lot of black men in that field Um, it's becoming a lot more over the years I've seen a lot more especially um, therapist wise mentor wise I think which is a great thing because it's definitely needed Um, but women pretty much have dominated everything I've never had a male supervisor or anything more than just an attorney that I've worked with um, and maybe a judge and majority of the judges that we have are women as well. Um, So it's never really been a big issue, um, except for when some of the clients think that, oh, because you're a woman, I don't want to talk to you. Um, My age more than anything has come into play. And the fact that I don't have children myself is more has been more of a issue for me in the workplace than being a woman. Um, I work for a um, technology software company, um, Blackbot. I am a leadership development coach um, for our customer success um, org. And for me, um, just when you think about you know the technology, you think about software. Um, women definitely are a minority, um, specifically women, and then black women additionally um and so can i say that i've seen um hindrance definitely um i would say it's because i I actually hold two roles a woman and a black woman at that Mm um men are more heard than women at work and so um, that is one of the things that I have been really challenged with is really trying to balance out making sure you have a voice without being seen as the angry black woman or the mm-hmm. highly emotional woman. So, um, but that is my field. And yes, sex, um, gender has definitely played a, a big, a big part in um, my job. Well, I am a teacher um, and which historically is a I would say a woman dominating field although you do see your men in there I'm I'm sure there's at least there's a couple men at every school that you go to Um, I would say at my school in particular in the district that I work in in particular being a woman has not helped me back um, nor being a black woman Um, But I think it's due to the relationships that I privately built with people. I can't say that I haven't seen things on the other end, but I haven't been on that end. Um, So I've been blessed. Yeah. So I work um, in the medical field and I am a manager over a team that um, works with insurance. And we have to um, I do the training certification for those to be able to help clients with Medicaid, Medicare, uh, Marketplace, um, a sliding fee scale. I work for FQAC. Um, in my field, it is dominated by women. We are so excited when we do get men. Um, 
but we are starting to get in, get in a few. We have had spiritually. So to a team of probably uh, 18, we may have at one time, I don't think we've ever had two. We may have one male. So that is probably not a field that, you know, uh, attracts a lot of men. But as far as uh, in my field where I'm working, it, I don't really see any um, struggles there. But I do see the struggle with in the management part of it, being a woman and a black woman and just the culture of the organ, you know, of, you know, where we're at. Um, I see a little struggle there. Absolutely. And so um, I know that, um, Miss Ronita specifically, I know that you are in more of like a leadership position. So what has been um, kind of the like your role in your place in that and how has that experience been for you or anyone in a leadership position or um, any interaction that way? Um, for me, um, it's interesting. Um, I think I was listening to your. Well, I was listening to you. You talk about when you were young, as as a young person, their struggles. So I started off in leadership as a young person, mm. and so definitely having people um, not want to listen to a younger person. So there was the generational mm-hmm. gap yeah. that I've had to experience as a leader. Um, there was a male dominating field. Um, so as a woman, I've had to to overcome and then in a predominantly white field having to to um, overcome that I can tell you for me I just I believe in the platinum rule right treat people the way that they want to be treated mm-hmm. um, and and so I just learned how to adapt um, and it makes me laugh because I think about um, yeah. one of the chief philosophies that we did back when we were talking about corporate America. Mm-hmm. And it was that episode that made me go natural. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I had learned to conform yeah. to, to corporate. Yeah, I was in tears. I had learned to conform to corporate America with my perm, my hair down my back, mm-hmm. you know, a certain look and, you know, yeah. my business suits and, you know, my Code switching at its yeah, finest, <laughs> you know. And, and so, you know, I talked a certain way. I held myself a certain way and I just really, truly wasn't authentic mm-hmm. always real always loving always making sure that I was driving um, my team to success and also the company to success but I suffered and so now the the run the Ronita today right um, is more authentic you know yes my hair is straight today but <laughs> it's not a perm is a <laughs> it's just flat iron right um and so I learned to to take who I am and so now in my job I talk about black issues Mm -hmm. I talk about women's issues you know I'm a part of our affinity groups I'm a part of you know um making sure that we're doing changes with DE&I and so I'm very active in being that voice and and specifically because I'm in a leadership position Mm -hmm. because if not me then who Mm -hmm. right and so as a leader I know that I have to lead by example and when there's a gap, I have to be the one to speak up on it because many people are afraid because they're trying to to get there, right? And so it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm leading the way, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of like what I've taken on and it's ever since, you know, I've really started to look at how I had, you know, it's kind of like I, I think I made a reference to roots, 
when Kunta Kinte finally got his movie roots. <laughs> yeah, when Kunta Kinte finally accepted his name as Toby, mm-hmm. and that was me. You know, I went from Ronita to Ronnie, mm. and you know, and it was it was a a change that I did not even realize happened because I always stuck with Ronita, and then eventually I gave in to the Ronnie that I kept on being called, and and so. I just had to say, okay, you can change. My name may have been changed. It kind of makes me think about, you, know, you may you may be yeah. able to change my name, but that's you're not going to change who I am. Right. Right. And so now I'm all about, you know, D.E. and I, everybody know. When you hear me, we, we about to talk about it. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting because I hear that a lot, that you weren't being your authentic self, mm-hmm. that you were afraid to be your authentic self. Yeah. I mean, think about it when your authentic self, you know, when I talk, you know, I tell you, you know, I have the, you know, Ronita that works in corporate America. And then I had the Ronita that went to Arlington. <laughs> and my authentic self is just um, is a mixture of both. You know, mm-hmm. my mother raised me to have a mixture of both. But at work. I didn't let them see the emotional side of me. I didn't let them see the hurt as a as a person, as a black woman side of me. Mm-hmm. I was just that, you know, I'm, I'm in charge and I'm good and, you know, I can do it. And, you know, there was no, you know, however you needed me to be was how I was going to be. Whereas now, you know, I've had talks with my senior leaders about, um, the the stereotypes of the angry black woman, mm-hmm. where I'm the only black woman mm-hmm. having this conversation, right? I've had things now where I'm sending them things about. Um, I don't know if you saw this podcast, but it's a um, an uncomfortable conversation with a black man. Mm-hmm. I've had them watch videos and say, "Now let's talk about it," mm-hmm. right? Before I wouldn't have done that because although that's who I've always been, you know, everybody who knows me know I'm militant, right? But I didn't ever bring my militancy to work. Mm-hmm. And now my authentic me brings it to work. It's in a productive way, mm-hmm. but I bring it to work. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I struggled with that. Um, it was a couple years ago. I've always, um, I, I came into education as I was not a baby. I was 35, 36. So while most people start teaching at the age of 23 when they enter college, mm-hmm. I had experienced life and found myself and then I got into education so I just came from a different perspective but I definitely struggled with um, crystal at work because growing up you there's a certain way you behave at work in a certain Mm -hmm. way you dress in a certain way you look Um, the first year I was in education I started my locks they were baby locks you know you know what the little locks look like Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I didn't talk I talked like the kids because that's how I related to the mm-hmm. kids, and that is yeah. who I am. Like I, I will tell everybody every day, I'm a middle schooler. I never grew up, <laughs> hence the reason why I work in middle school. I laugh at all the jokes. I am, when they say something crazy, I'm cracking up laughing too. So that is who I am, and I'm still that way, and I don't see myself as that adult, mm-hmm. um, but I am now find myself in leadership. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, what do I do now? What do I do? How do I conduct myself? Yeah. And... Um, I find that that's the struggle I'm going to, and I am known, I was known, before I knew it, they called me the militant one, and I was like, no, I just talk about things that need to be talked about. 
Um, but the angry black woman would come up a lot and people were um, put off. Yeah, they they thought I was aggressive, and I'm not. A, I'm just a passionate person. Yeah, and it's about anything. I I become passionate about the traffic on Shaylin. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did have to work through that. Um, and I think that that was a personal struggle of learning to cope with that. It's interesting, you know, and and that's why I had that conversation because I don't think we should have to. Mm-hmm. And and I say that and. and because it's all about education and so I'm like I have to bring my militancy to work but in a way to educate and so I had to explain as a black woman I'm not being authentic because I can't show my passion Mm -hmm. because I'm perceived as what the media says that we are Mm -hmm. whereas you can be just as passionate and it's and and it's you're passionate Mm -hmm. but a woman is emotional and a black woman is an angry black woman because a black man is a a black man is intimidating Mm -hmm. or black is intimidating right Mm -hmm. women are emotional which is why we get both the angry Mm -hmm. black woman Mm -hmm. right because we're angry the emotion is intensified because right because we're threatening Mm -hmm. right because black is seen as threatening and so i had to help them see that because I can't be my authentic self if if I'm passionate about something, but I still have to talk like this. And so, therefore, you're not going to be moved by the passion. So you're not going to understand that it's urgent. And I'm also yeah. bored, right? At this point, it's exactly, like, right? Right? Where you're like, this is great. We're going to do this, right? That's not how and it's right. But if too, I do that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now like, I would wait. I feel threatened. Yeah. Like, Calm down. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had to help people see that so that I can be authentic. So I have to go back when our first question that we asked, how was it at work? And I'm starting to think there have been situations <laughs> um, because just this year, I it was told that I was bullying somebody. Mm. Um, and I'm like, because I didn't agree with you, I bullied you. That's yeah. not a bully. A bully happens multiple times. We know this this definition. Um, but yeah. But again, why were you considered a bully? Right. And then you cried. Those, right, those WWE threats. Oh, wow, right, because man. you're mm-hmm. black, mm-hmm. you are threatening, and mm-hmm. that, and and so, yeah, yeah, that is the stuff. That's that microaggression. That's yes. that stuff that happens, and so now we have to, you know, we have to talk calm. We can't hurt your feelings. We gotta, and and then I go home stressed out and can't think, right? right. Because mm-hmm. I've had to put on this person that I'm not. Yeah. And then when you stick to yourself, they're like, well, you don't enjoy anybody. Yeah. You, yeah. You're yeah. not social. Yeah. You're not well, a team player. But yeah. I can't be. Right. 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 And that, that brings up a good point. <laughs> oh, boy. So mine, it seems like mine reversed. So earlier years, I was that person that fought for everything that would, I don't care who was in the boardroom, I would, you know, stand up and make the claim that what was right what was wrong um and then um it became things like um you know well you you're you're just you're you are a woman these are even from black men you are a woman so maybe you should say things differently or you try to go to bat for you know what you believe in or what is right and it's for the company not you yeah um but it's, well, you know, just just don't say it like that. You yeah. know, d- just, you know, just say it a little different. Or come and tell me about it first yeah. before you just. So I was that one. And then I would um, hear things like what got me is after really, you know, bringing my point across, 
they looked at me and said, you, you are really passionate. And I tried to figure out what does that mean? And I said, did they just call me crazy? Oh. <laughs> and, and that's what mm -hmm. I got from that because I just told you something really good that's going to help the company. And all you could say was I was passionate? Mm -hmm. Crazy. So now I kind of back up because I'm to the place now. Okay, I'm going to have to let things that let you see things before so you'll get it. And that's kind of where we are. But that's I, so I kind of diversed into because they they just don't they don't get that i mean it's something's wrong with you yeah and sorry i had to kind of think back like what you did earlier like i, I kind of had have had those kind of incidents mm -hmm. um more like i said before with like male attorneys um because part of my job is presenting in court and sometimes testifying in court um and kind of like what you said also miss keely a lot of i, I get the militant comment as well to me like oh well you're too militant well maybe try saying it in a more softer way and I'm like what I work with abused and neglected children softness did not get us to this point so softness is not going to get mm -hmm. us through here mm -hmm. like these are not peace love and hair grease cotton candy and rainbow situations they're just not right. um, and then um, also I've been told after court oh you did really well you're really passionate about this and oh you know I know you're not intimidated by the judge and you were very the one the word that I hate the most that said to me at my job is articulate. I hate it when people specifically white people. Oh, you're very articulate. And I'm like, oh, so you didn't expect my black butt to be able to form <laughs> coherent sentences and carry myself in court when it's like, you know, we're all professional. I was given this job for a reason. If I can't do my job, I shouldn't be here. Um, but yeah, it, that, those are probably some of the most you know the biggest events that I have in my job where being a woman is more we'll say it softer and it is the black woman thing mm -hmm. I was just gonna say it sounds like a lot of the things that we deal with at work is not just the woman piece it's the black yeah it's that intersectionality yeah it's the, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, that black being a black woman yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That, um, and I think also not to cut you off but the the other piece of that I think that's also toxic I hate saying that word sometimes is the the strong black woman complex of well we all have to be so strong and and strong is like code for put up with all everything in the in the world mm -hmm. and i think that also maybe not to us but to other people they hear the strong black woman thing and they just think oh well they can take it and mm -hmm. you know they're you know they're just they're the black woman and they can you know they know pain i guess i don't know and you know it's we can say whatever because they're just, they can just take it and I think that just further perpetuates everything that we're saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it does. And I would say, you know, in, in, in the three of your guys' examples, because you work predominantly with women, it would be yeah. more of mm -hmm. the, the black woman. Yeah. Because I deal with a, a male-dominated right, mm -hmm. um, workforce, it's you know, it is both because you're not heard as a woman. We don't have the equal pay. We don't have mm -hmm. a lot of that. And then on top of that, I have the the conflict between the, the white white woman versus black woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that mixture of both. It's, it's like, um, oh, I remember where I was. Be that bum if I do. Be that bum if I don't. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's a no win situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's. I'm not, you know, I'm not put on the same level because I'm not a man. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, tit for tat 
with the with the women is oh I didn't expect you to be as intelligent as you are I get that mm-hmm. a lot oh well I I did oh, not wow, realize you're so knowledgeable you're so eloquent when you speak and we're supposed to be nice when people say things like right. that to us and I don't understand how I'm supposed to take that and smile like I'm mm-hmm. not going to yeah, but yeah. I can't be my east side self either. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can't yeah. be my west side self. Right. Either. <laughs> I'm saying like, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> do you do you find too that when you um, are in that white woman versus black woman um, that you don't have the support either? So they could see your other counterparts can see that you're right and something's going on, and they'll wow. You know, I'm so sorry, but you, you know, they, they did do that, didn't they? But you don't have that support. It's like yeah. you can know, they can know that mm-hmm. it's wrong, mm-hmm. but nobody fights for right, you. Right, they tell I you mean, after like, meeting. Yeah. Yeah, after the meeting. Like, it's that hidden say something sisterhood. And yeah. stand up for me or I'm say, it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like, I feel like crazy. all the black women in certain offices, like they're all cool. And then all the white <laughs> women are cool. Yeah. And like we'll intermingle when we have to. Mm-hmm. But I think because I, I have a lot of cases where the DCS worker will call each other. But like, girl, she lying. <laughs> like She lying. That's not what we doing. But then, you know, I have to be like, well, you know, or even just a lot of the women that I work with, some of the black mothers that I work with, they're always written off as angry. They need mm-hmm. anger management. They need therapy. I'm like, you just took her kids. Any mother, regardless of the situation, would be upset. You didn't say that about Karen, who got her kids taken away. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, know something Keisha must over be wrong. here right yeah. Keisha over here mad and she's aggressive she needs all of this mm-hmm. um and Karen did the same thing and they did the same thing if not worse mm-hmm. um but going back to something that you said also about wages um as when I did research for this I saw that um number one we all know that women make considerably less than mm-hmm. their male counterparts do but then even more with black women even compared to black men who make less than Mm-hmm. you know white people in general um and then also like i think historically women typically didn't work and now women coming into the workforce um and making less but being even overqualified and overworked because majority well everyone but me as a mother um so not only do you have to go to work put in work there come home put in work at home and you're still making less than possibly making less than somebody who who hold your same job. Um, what effect has that, if any, has it had? Well, you know, don't get me started okay. on the, the effects. When you think about, when you think about crime, that's the, that's the effect. Um, because crime comes from poverty. Mm-hmm. Poverty comes from low wages, right? Being underpaid, right? And so when you look at the dynamics specifically of the black family, you know, there's more single mothers than 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 not. Right. And so if you're a black woman making less money than a white man, a white woman and a black man, that means you're underpaid. Mm -hmm. Yet you have the responsibility to raise the child, which means you're raising a child that's supposed to be a two income, mm-hmm. right? With one income and out of the two income, you get the less of the income. So now you're raising a family on a one income, which is the least of any income of anybody mm-hmm. and expect 
expected to raise this child to be a productive citizen who doesn't feel like they need to do crime to take care of their family. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you ask what's the impact of it, government, there goes the impact. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you want to solve crime, give black women higher wages. And I think it's just <laughs> ironic, too, because when you look at the. Fetchinson's really the most educated. Go ahead. That's that was my point. Like you, when you look at who's receiving majority of these certifications, mm-hmm. associates, bachelors, masters, you know, doctorate, doctorate degrees, mm-hmm. majority there's a higher rate of black women being college educated than there are of almost any other race. Yet we still get paid less than any other race, yeah. and that you know, like you said, just only it's further not equitable. Right, which. Miss Ronita is also doing um, a D&E presentation um, <laughs> twice, actually, in the next month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the the one this weekend, obviously, is sold out. You can't go to that one. But the one in April 8th, yeah. 8th. 8th and 9th. Mm-hmm. And I think Miss Kelly is going to be there, too. Yep. Yeah. Come out and support. I don't know where to go for that. But, you know, Transform Women's Retreat. You probably could Google it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That New Albany? New Albany is, is this, this weekend, weekend? weekend yeah. and then Frankfort, Frankfort Indiana, Indiana is that's right. the April one. April 8th. I'll be at the April one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of switching gears to um, looking more at women, uh, the role of women in the home. Um, and, you know, just being more of a Christian, I guess, based podcast. Um, when we talked about the dynamic of the home, we talked about the husband being the head. So where with the man or the husband being the head of the household, where then does that leave women? The neck. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. You know, I just think, you know, if we looked at it like a business, Mm -hmm. your husband is your CEO and the woman is the COO, the chief operating officer. That is a very important title that people take for granted. Mm -hmm. The CEO is the visionary. The COO is the executioner. Mm -hmm. So the woman in the home (laughs) is the person who is over the running of the home. Mm -hmm. Right, which is the family that if you think about God and you think about what he left us it was the care mm-hmm. right of what's left and that really is the role of the woman we're to help upbring that child we're to help make sure the house is run smoothly we're actually there and women i know you're not going to like me to say that we're there to make sure our husbands are taken care of because especially our black husbands who are put in this cruel world we're there to help uplift them and build them so that when they come home they have peace Mm -hmm. we are the manager of the home of the family and it's a huge responsibility that Mm -hmm. i don't think people really understand nor value you know Mm -hmm. i hear a lot of women complain about it it's 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 a privilege yeah to actually know that you know i'm entrusted god when he thought about the roles he entrusted us to be the one to really build the family because Mm -hmm. the stronger the family the stronger society is. Mm-hmm. That's our responsibility. Because um, I think a lot um, of people, when we say that, they get the whole barefoot and pregnant complex. Like, oh, the women's just supposed to work and then come home and cook dinner and, you know, pop out all the kids and take care of all the kids and take care of everything. Um, but also within the submission and the, the roles of the household, 
the man is supposed to be the head and to treat the wife like God treats the church and to take care of that way. Go ahead. That was the media per se. So I'm a big advocate of people really understanding what the word is. What submission? Nowhere in the Bible did it say for a woman to be barefoot and pregnant. First of all, if you look at the Proverbs woman, she actually was a a owner of a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she worked and she took care of her home. Mm -hmm. So if we really look at this whole barefoot and pregnant and you do what I say, it's the men took, you know, what makes me mad is how as black people, we talk about how western you know they took the bible and they used it against black people into slave submission except for when we needed to make a point (laughs) but then as men black included we then do the same thing with the bible take what we want out of it to put people into submission Mm -hmm. or oppression let me take that back into oppression because submission is in the bible oppression and that's not what God said. What I how I just explained the role of the woman is the role and is a is a gift. Mm-hmm. Is a great gift. But what's happened to that gift is we've taken it and now we minimize it to say you're supposed to be barefoot and pregnant. Do what I say. Mm-hmm. And I'm house. the right. And yeah. and that's 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 not what it was set up as. That's not what that means. at all. Yeah. You know that's not that's not at all. The man was the provider. The woman was the caregiver. CEO COO. Right, he had to bring money into the home while the woman ran the home. Run the home does not mean if I'm running a business, mm-hmm. then I'm not a slave, I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. Right, last mm-hmm. I checked. Mm-hmm. And so, but we've taken that and now we've made it into a slave mentality where you do as I say, and that's not biblical mm-hmm. at all. So I heard you talk about bring up the Proverbs 31 woman. And I know that a lot of people, when we bring up the topic of women, that's especially church wise, we talk about um, that Proverbs 31 woman. And, you know, um, she's worth more than rubies. Her husband is respected and has confidence and um, praises her. She gathers things for her family. She works with eager hands and vigorously. She gives to the poor. Um, strength and dignity, wisdom comes out out of her mouth. Um, She fears God. Her children call her blessed, things like that. Um, When you hear that, is it it realistic? Absolutely. I'm looking at one. Okay. So, (laughs) and and, and I say that, and I I say because I'm not married. Right. So, but when you look at the Proverbs woman, she was a woman of God. Mm -hmm. Her kids loved her. Mm -hmm. Her husband was respectable. She was respectable. She worked and she took care of the home mm-hmm. right and the community she was loved in the community it's absolutely it happens there's a lot of proverbs mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. 31 women again we we want to take it and make it seem like she's a superwoman and she's not she's not perfect that's what i was mm-hmm. gonna ask <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. right there's nobody the bible tells you there was none nobody perfect christ mm-hmm. right no one else. And so the Proverbs 31 woman was not perfect, but she was a woman of God mm-hmm. who understood her role. Mm-hmm. And her role was caregiver at the home. But And being a caregiver at the home also means bringing in stuff to the storefront. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. again, like I said, we just, we, we misconstrue stuff. And these men look at this and, and want this perfect woman 
But if you continue to read the Bible, you know there's no <laughs> perfect, perfect except yeah. for Christ. So I don't know why you expect perfection when you're not. Yeah. Do you think that this whole, because it reminded me of the sermon that you did with the, the cape and, yeah, and, and the yeah. superhero Super mask. Wow. Um, just because I think a lot of women, me included, I'll put myself in this, have that this complex like, I got to do it all. I got to do everything. I got to have everything together. And then you read the Proverbs 31 woman is like, see, even the Bible's telling me I got to have all of this. I got to do all of this. Like, I got to check every last box while still keeping a good disposition and everybody loving me <laughs> and being in everybody's graces. That's why I kind of asked if it was if it was realistic. So it is it's still realistic the whole point with the cape is you know if we look at history mm -hmm. as a black woman we had to do it all we we were beat right we we had to pick cotton we had to breastfeed our babies and theirs mm -hmm. we had to raise our babies and theirs right we had to sleep with our men and theirs we had to do it wow. all. Yeah. And it has gone from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And we've been taught to do it all without complaining. Yeah. And so the Proverbs 31 woman doesn't say that you don't rest. It doesn't say that, you know, you're subject to the abuse. She does it because of because of the fear of the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. And reverence. To the Lord. When I say fear, that's reverence mm -hmm. and reverence to the Lord, not because it's an obligation, yeah. right? Not into beating submission. And so I just think as black women, we've taken this and, and feel like we have to put the whole weight of the world on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's because if not us, then who? Right. 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 And, you know, we are left again, looking at black women to raise black boys, right? Raise black girls. We have to be the provider. We have to be the nurturer. We have to be the teacher. We have to be the counselor. We have to be, we have to be everything, and then go into the workforce and 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 be the low, you know, the leader there, mm -hmm. and be can't be authentic, and so that's that superwoman cape, mm -hmm. right? That we have to then say, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do all that. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be who God created me to be. Yeah. And even with the Proverbs 31 woman, when I had reread the entire chapter, she, it even talked about like her servants. Like she had people to come in and help her. And I think that just for me, being a woman and being a black woman, it's hard for me to ask for help. Um, and it's hard for me to accept the help, even if I don't ask for it. It's like, oh, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I can do this and I can do this and all of this and all of this. And then all I do is complain about how tired I am and how I have time for nothing. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think, you know, and then also talking about just like single woman households, you know, that becomes even more of something, you know, to to really take take in and understand that it's OK. And then one of the things that we create with that because I've been guilty of that, is we don't teach those ones that are there mm -hmm. to do anything. Yeah. Because we do it all. Mm -hmm. And we find ourselves older and we're still doing it all. Mm -hmm. That is a huge point. Digressing. Um, <laughs> knowing that I'm digressing. We took... And I'm going to say our generation specifically, you're at the very end of the millennial. So you may have experienced it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But there was Saturday cleanup. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 
you know, every <laughs> Why Saturday. Why you didn't even glance over here? Oh, yeah, I, I had Saturday cleaning. With, with the good music. Right. With the good right. music, mm-hmm. pots and pans right. and, mm-hmm. and fumes throughout the entire yes. house. Yeah. I mean, you had your regular during the week clean, clean up, up. Mm-hmm. chores. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, Saturday then you the had mops. Saturday clean mm-hmm. up. We mm-hmm. moving furniture and on Saturday. Yes. And mm-hmm. the kids were actively involved mm-hmm. in the cleanup. Yep. I mean, I raked leaves. Mm-hmm. I shoved, I mean, we we were active in the work. Mm-hmm. And somewhere down the line, I keep blaming our generation, is we felt like that was slave labor. And we did not allow our kids or teach our kids to do the very thing that we did Mm -hmm. and then wonder why they have this entitlement, right? But that was a discipline. Yeah. And it was also a way to take some of the load off, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so to your point, yes, you know, or no, your point, we're still doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we never taught, Mm -hmm. we never taught the younger ones to do it, to take the load Mm -hmm. off. I can do it. Get out of yeah. the kitchen. I got yeah. this. Yeah, we don't. And then, do it right, and then we get mad. I'm talking about they don't know how to cook. Well, mm-hmm. how do they not? They don't know how to Man. cook because you didn't let them in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I swear, burn one right. thing and now you get kicked out. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so you know, it it really is. We have to do a better job at delegating responsibility because mm-hmm. part of being a COO is making sure that you have succession planning, mm-hmm. right? Part of that is making sure that everybody's equipped to do what it is that they need to do because everybody has a role. And so if we're not doing it in our home, mm-hmm. we're not preparing future leaders, right. future home runners, right? right? And right. and so there's that there's a big responsibility as a woman, you know, in the home because we're teaching future people mm-hmm. and if we're not teaching them the right way and succession planning you know all these girls growing up i mean it's a it's a travesty how many young girls don't know how to cook mm-hmm. but then as a parent we got to take a step back and i know i'm stepping on some ouch yeah right? did I'm we not teach them? it wasn't it was it was it was an expectation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you knew how to cook you mm-hmm. know and it, it and then when our boys are we teaching them how to be the provider of the homes and so it mm-hmm. as a woman there's a lot of work and it's not us doing it, it's us teaching. Yeah. Right? There's a point where you do because they're not old enough to do, but then there's a point where you learn to teach so that then it takes some load off of you, but it's also preparing them to run their homes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're about to say something. No, but I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree. I, I failed at that miserably. Um, because I didn't want to get up on Saturday morning and clean. I was tired. Man. I hated it as a kid, and I didn't want to do it. Not that I didn't want to teach my child, but I didn't. I wanted to lay in that bed mm-hmm. and chill out because I was tired. But that was due to the amount of stress that I had to take in during the week. And I worked part-time when my son was little, so I did all that stuff during the week. So he didn't have to get up because I'm laying in the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, you made me like, oh, yeah, ouch. Get off, get off me. I'm, yeah. I mean, and it's an ounce for all of us. I've yeah, done so much self-reflection yeah. on when we say, well, why is this generation this way? Man. When I do a self-reflection, I'm like, it's our fault. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we, we've, we've created this entitled foolery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know what else happened? Um, the beginning of sports outside of school. 
Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. getting up Saturday mornings. Now you got mm -hmm. soccer, you got mm -hmm. football, you have all these travel things to do, and you're just so busy. Your weekends are so busy. Your afternoons are so busy. You don't even have time to cook and clean in the house anymore because you're running your children everywhere, which also creates creates the entitlement because you've done everything for them. Yep. Mm -hmm. And yep. you just want them to enjoy life. Yes. But while they're enjoying life, they don't realize they they're not learning the gratitude that comes along with the it. sacrifice the yeah. sacrifice the work yep the work and more and and we're causing obesity because we're not giving them healthy foods because no. we're not cooking like mm -hmm. we're supposed to yeah. no. right because if you're on the go you got to get fast food yeah right mm -hmm. there's yep. a lot that if we can look back at our parents our grandparents and what we thought was stupid mm -hmm. really was a discipline yep. yeah yeah Right, and we've totally took it away, mm -hmm. and yeah. and we look at you know where we are today as a people, and a lot of it is because a lack of discipline. Mm -hmm. We didn't like it, so therefore we didn't continue it. Not truly understanding why, which I still fault them for that part of it because there's a we have to educate. Yeah, you know we have to be able to educate the why. Mm -hmm. We're, why I do it this way? I thought my parents was poor. That's why we only got three gifts on Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. And two times you got school clothes, or clothes, mm -hmm. school, school and summer, right? Yeah. And I just thought they were poor. It wasn't mm -hmm. that they were. It wasn't about material things, mm -mm. right? It was about making sure that you are owners and stuff, and not spending your money as a consumer. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I didn't get that. Yeah. Right. It, it took me with my uh, youngest grandchild to really get that for the first time when I saw her at Christmas. And she had so much stuff. She was overwhelmed. Yeah, and she was like really grandma. like, what in the world am I supposed to do with this Where mess? did I even start? Yeah. And so when I looked at it, I said, wow, I never looked at it like that. She should have got maybe one or two gifts. And she probably would still be playing with them. Now she's got this plethora of stuff. And she would rather come and get in my drawers than uh, and mess it up all my stuff. And I would say, why are you in here with my stuff? You got a whole room. Because it's... Too it's much. overwhelming stuff and things. You hit me with that because my daughter's grandmother, so my granddaughter's great-grandmother said that she was like, Reagan has too much stuff. That's why she bounces from this to this to this to this to Attention. this. You know, we talk about ADD, and part of that is our fault. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I didn't give them see that so until much. my right. grandchild. And I know, like, when she said that, I'm like, nah, she's wow. so good. I mean, because we give them so much that they can't, they have lowest yeah. attention spans already. Mm -hmm. And now when you give them 20,000 things to pick from, it's like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And Don't this, add in that phone. Right. The, or the iPad. Yeah, because yeah. that girl's crazy that's, on the that's iPad. And that's what they want. But they don't, all that other stuff is like. Yeah. But even then, there's so many apps. It's like, I'm going to be in this, and she's in yeah. this, and yeah. she's in this, and she's in the back. I mean, it happens with adults. Yeah, like, you can look at all of us. Mm -hmm. Like, having too much access to mm -hmm. everything, it's overwhelming. Like, yeah. even from everything happening in Ukraine to everything happening with yeah. the pandemic, like, it gets overwhelming yeah. with all, a rush of information. But kind of like what you were talking about, about um, kind of how our, our, our past generations are, I think just understanding and teaching young women the importance of their role in the home because mm -hmm. it makes me think a lot of when like grandma dies or great grandma dies mm -hmm. the whole family falls apart yeah and it goes back to what you're saying we have to teach those things and pass them on to the next generation mm -hmm. because our families just 
I mean, I don't know when the last time any of y'all had like a a, fam- a big family reunion where like people from here, branches over here, everybody coming together. They don't really happen like that. You don't hear about those as much. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, they used to have them for every holiday. Like everybody mm-hmm. got together at grandma house or at the park or wherever and, and did all of that because you know, we out of respect for her and she told us to be there and we mm-hmm. was going to be there mm-hmm. and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I think reminding everybody and, you know, starting that again to say, hey, you know, this is women have a really important role in the family and yeah. really keeping yeah. that family together and making mm-hmm. sure as a COO that it operates yeah. the way that it should. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. OK, so we didn't been to work. We we didn't came home. Now it's Sunday. We got to go to church. Ooh, <laughs> So keeping in tune with the Proverbs 31 woman, um, which is obviously where that all kind of stems from. Um, one of the things that I always think about the church that I grew up in, the pastor has. Ex- <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> the pastor has it because she knows my, my old pastor. Um, my The pastor that I grew up with explicitly said it over and over and over and over and over again. And probably and I, from my last understanding, still believes this to this day, that women aren't allowed in his pulpit, that there that there will never be a woman preaching in his pulpit um, as two women sitting here who have preached in, in a pulpit, not his, but in a pulpit. <laughs> um you know what how what do you guys feel about that what are what are your thoughts go ahead miss ronita go ahead mm-hmm. Kayla can take that she done made a face this whole conversation <laughs> hmm. well i guess we can start with what does the bible say about women preaching because i grew up thinking that it was the bible saying that women couldn't preach does the bible say that women can't preach you know i you know you know, but you know that has always been my struggle, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. me and the Lord had conversations, and sometimes we still go back and forth over that conversation. I'm like, Lord, now, <laughs> this is the thing. I think we have to understand what preaching means, mm-hmm. right? And it, preaching is no different than really the it's a, the the teaching of the word, right? Um, and we're all accountable to be ministers. And teach the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look in the Bible, there was women who were leaders. There were women who taught. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, where the Bible talks specifically, and which is where I kind of struggle at, is, you know, it does talk about a woman not being ahead of a man. Right. Which is where you get the whole woman can't be a pastor you know, um, they take that as well sometimes and say then a woman can't really preach to a man because that's her putting her in head. Although I disagree with that because that's more of a teaching, not not I have headship over you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't think the Bible says that a woman cannot preach again. I think we go and we interpret it, the headship. And then that's where it gets into some people saying that they can't be in the pulpit, which the pulpit wasn't even in the Bible. But anyway, <laughs> um, and then <laughs> we have um, and then some that say that woman can't be a pastor. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's all because of that headship in the part where it says a woman shouldn't teach a man. I, was, I can't remember where that, mm-hmm. it, I can't remember if it was Paul somewhere where. Um, you know, talks about that piece of it, which Keely knows. That's why I struggled, right? Because mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, I'll just, you know, preach to women only, and which is why I'm, I'm all good about this conference I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and young people, 
But where I struggle is because I have a lot of men that come back to me and say, I really learned a lot from hearing you preach. Well, right. And so yeah. they're like, you know, and so I'm like, preaching is teaching. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I can be a teacher in school, teaching men. Right. Then I should be able to teach men in church. I don't understand where that where that lies. I get headship again. But I think even with that, we have to really take a look at what that's saying. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I really I saw a whole lot of men over there when um, they just got the new senior pastor for Light of the World, who's a female. Right. And um, there was a, a I mean, a lot of men that dedicated her. And so and these are men that are like doctors and theology and stuff. And so it makes you start to question either we're just not going by the word of God or we're understanding that we've taken things out of context like we always do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I agree. I think that a woman can. I do um, understand the order. Mm -hmm. Now, I yeah. do not believe that we should be out of order where mm -hmm. I'm over um, the man um, because that is God's order mm -hmm. where um, the man is first and then the woman. But like you said, out of contents, um, I like that COO and C yeah. yeah, because that is saying that I'm equal, that um, my job is just as important as yours. Um, and so in the church, absolutely. And I was going to ask the question, has has your ministry been effective? I don't think God would let it be effective if it were not right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but I do respect that if if that's what a man thinks and not let you in his pulpit. then you, you know, I said I would, you know, when I first started, I said I'll preach to myself or to the walls or whatever because it's in me. And so I'm, you know, fine with that. And, and but it did put a big damper on things. And I have to be honest um, because. It made me question, God, what did you do? Did you call me or not? What yeah. did? What am I supposed to do? Um, so it it, it kind of did put a big damper on things of being being confused. Like I was that kid at first, and then I grew up and saw, oh, there's an etiquette. There's an etiquette I have to follow um, instead of what God called me to do. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my piece on that. So um, yeah. Yeah, I mean when we <laughs> when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? <laughs> because I brought this up, which you know, Lord worked itself out. Because I was like, we need to talk about this in the church, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh yeah, that's I was, where I was about to go. <laughs> I was giving nope. <laughs> okay. But then I got called to do this women conference, which because God, God, right? I'm sorry, because God said it needs to be addressed. It's all readjusted. It, 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 it needs to be addressed, and, and so it's interesting, right? Because I'm just sitting here, and one of I the think things, we on the same wavelength. But go ahead. One of the things that, well, even in this conference, you know, that I'm probably gonna, my radical self is probably gonna talk about Man. is. Even in the, and I think I talked about that when we went to black church and when I went to transform before, mm -hmm. and it was, they have the minister and wives breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was asked one time, minister, minister and wives breakfast, right? Mm -hmm. Or minister wives breakfast, minister sorry, wives minister wives breakfast. breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so somebody asked me, why wasn't I going? I said, cause I'm not a minister's wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yep. they specified this year. It's pastor's wives breakfast. Well, whatever. I still can't go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Minister. Right. But I can't go, and right, because I can go if I was married to 
a person. And you would go in the capacity of a wife, which is totally different. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> even in a woman's retreat, we are playing oppressive roles. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And we perpetuate that. Mm-hmm. So if if at a woman's retreat, we can't see a woman as a minister, then how do we expect men to see us that way? Yeah, and I was going to take it back to kind of like what you said, take it back to where we were talking about with the workspace. Being two female ministers in a male-dominated field, mm-hmm, it only, like you said, it only perpetuates the oppression because... If you're sitting in a pulpit and like when I think about it, a lot of if not most congregations are mostly women. When I look out, whether it be that their wives or mothers or whatever, majority of the people in the church are women. Or even when you um, when you talk about like single people, more single people in the church, there's probably more single women than there are single men in the church. So in my mind, it doesn't make sense why a woman could not be a minister because you're able to connect in some ways that you may not be able to connect to someone as a man just because of the power and and patriarchy that's put, you know, implicitly in that. Um, and so with the women's retreat, when I saw that, I was just kind of like, well, we can't all just have breakfast together. Like, it's a end the point for us to be together. OK, you know, that's y'all retreat. I'll let you run it how you want. But, but you know, it like not to shame the, the retreat or anything, but, you know, it's it's it, I think it. it incapacitates the women and only just like you said perpetuates that entire thing when you know majority of our churches are ran by women or you know are made up of mostly women and then the fact that we have to have a pastors and or ministers preachers wives lunch shows the importance of that role so yeah to me that's just that that hierarchy bull Mm -hmm. that i can't stand i I stopped at that word Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) that that i cannot stand with church folks period you know to you to your point i agree it should just be breakfast come if you want don't if you don't right right is this we we we've we've always had this hierarchical type of mentality like even back to the point where the pastors were in the pulpit and you know it was like this 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 (laughs) right and that's where the whole from everywhere that's where the whole you can't come into my pulpit because it's a power thing Mm -hmm. right and we and the black church is huge on this power struggle and even in the book (laughs) that we're doing this bible study it talks about you know women work together because that's those this weeks it's the sisterhood women work together black and white women to be able to get the voice where they rifted was because of race Mm -hmm. right the blacks worked together, women and men, to get the voice. But there were where it became separate. With the men were like, "Well, let us go ahead and get it first, and then we'll bring you up." And the white women were like, "Well, let us get it first, and then we'll bring it up, bring you along mm-hmm. we versus why don't we all just get it together, mm-hmm. right?" And so that's what happened with the black church. The men are like, "I'm here, and you're here," because they were oppressed everywhere else. Mm-hmm. They had to be king somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it happened in the church. Again, they did the very thing that was done and did it in the church and said, we're here and I'm at this power and you're beneath me. You know, and I think about the angry black woman. I'm going to say this and I mean this in love. Mm -hmm. But even during the verses where everybody was hyped, I was told, you know, you you might want to calm down a little bit. And I was like, no. (laughs) Right. And 
and it and again all the guys i'm seeing that are just as hype if not more right mm-hmm. but the woman needed to calm down and you know i was set us up you know and it offended me and then i was like you know what i'm going to be who i am and it was the hypeness that caused the fun. If I, you know, it, and, and so I'm like, I'm not going to be this passive, quiet woman because that's not who God created me to be. Mm-hmm. You know, He created me to be this bold, loud person when when I need to be. Because really, I'm actually very quiet. Mm-hmm. But if I need to be this person, then that's what I'm going to be. And and I just think, you know, when I think about the church, they have this view of women as this this quiet, submissive do what I say type person and the church is made up of women mm-hmm. you know if you really want you know if you really want to engage your people <clears throat> you want to build your church you might want to have more women and young people in leadership because that's what you need young people because y'all dying mm-hmm. right so you need them in leadership so they can bring up more young people and you need women because that's what the church is mainly filled with Mm-hmm. And we're the workers. And so, but no, we want to keep this male dominated field and then wonder why the church is dying. That's it. I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you said it. I all. was like, I don't know what you said after that. Yeah. Drop the mic. <laughs> right. And I mean, I agree with you because we've had that conversation before. Like, you know, we've, whenever you go to different church functions and you ever need somebody to spearhead things, it's always sister so-and-so and then uh, the other sister so-and-sos come and help her out and they're doing all of this. They're the ones they're setting up. They're the ones they're taking down. They done organized all of it and did all of it. But then when you want to put sister so-and-so in a place of leadership or like a youth pastor position, but, um, <laughs> you know, they're not, considered for certain things even though that they've i feel like women in the church have shown themselves to be more than capable like i said with the with the workspace we have so many black women who are overqualified for the positions that they're in compared to other people and but you don't want to put them in that leadership position to really thrive in that and to show their true potential when it can actually be effective just because you're afraid of being emasculated or not being the head even though you are like as a pastor you are the head but it goes back to the delegation and the operation part of knowing your spiritual gifts and staying in your lane um plugging the leadership training (laughs) um she's a busy woman over here Mm -hmm. um but you know just knowing your roles and staying in your lane to effectively move the church that's should be the only goal is to you know make sure your company your marriage your home your family your church whatever it is your job is operating mm-hmm. effectively regardless of who needs to do it especially when we got people who are more than capable of doing it and so with that um going back to what we talked about earlier with the day without women how do, how, how do y'all feel like that's gonna go because i'm going Thank God. Um, I, I pray that we get a lot of women to go. It'll be the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody in Indianapolis, we're going to try to get a bus and, and get us there. Um, it's going to be amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's just a place for women to get together and network and really um, praise God. Right. And and more importantly just show the movement you know when i think about um 
this era right we're in an era that we can really make a difference mm -hmm. you know you had the suffrage movement and blacks were very involved you know um we had and then even like the abolishment of slaves so it blacks were always involved in action and then we had the civil rights era where blacks were really involved in changing things well we're in that era again i thought we were about to go strong but we sizzle back out but um i mean you know, this, <laughs> you know there's bills <laughs> happening where like they're trying to take away our voting rights and stuff mm -hmm. where we have got to get out and really fight but the fight is not just political mm -hmm. it has to be spiritual because and i say this when you read this book i didn't realize how much the women oh my gosh they started schools they the missions the missionary was all women right which mm -hmm. is still like that mm -hmm. but the missions that they did was just ridiculous you know the things that they built and started they, the papers the newspapers that they wrote and it was it was really um a great movement and to me we have a movement of women in church who have been silenced and have been silenced to a point to where they're no longer there you know i've seen a max you know we talk about the max exodus in corporate america mm -hmm. there's a mass exodus in the church and this is our time to say you know i'm not taking it anymore i demand my place right and if if we don't do it then we're going to continue to stay where we've been and so when i look at this movement it really is about women taking a stand and saying god has given me a gift and with this gift, I'm going to use it and I'm not going to let any man stop me because God is greater, right? Mm -hmm. He created me for a purpose. And in this gift, I'm going to help draw others to him. Because when we squander that, we're actually stopping bringing people to Christ. And that is, again, to me, why I feel like our church is dying, because we're not utilizing the gifts that God has given us. We're so quick to tell people, well, if you do this, you, you know, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. You know? And so we've made it so difficult for people to even accept Christ because we're squandering people's gifts. We want to teach it, but then we don't want to let them utilize it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's to me, it's very important for this movement to happen and for black women and white women, you know, um, definitely our black women to, to get together and get that empowerment that we need to then go back and yeah. fight for our right. Yeah. And then before we get out of here, I just had um, one more thing um, with that. You know, when I think about like black history month and then you have women's month and, mm -hmm. Um, Hispanic Heritage Month you have these things because clearly they're not celebrated any other time and that's when we have to highlight it so um, do you guys feel like it's more of like a publicity stunt type of thing more to say oh we're really down but we're not going to make any real systemic or legal actions and changes it's just to say that we're not to look good for like D&E and for HR and to say that we really like we care it's kind of like or even like pride month like oh yeah we're we're all for this but any but in actual function we're not i of course they're going to do it to look good on paper where i fought 
where I fight all the time, and you should already know where I'm headed, mm-hmm. is the people that, that, that are being oppressed not fighting for themselves. And I say that is we can have Women's Month, but if we just take it as the superficial month and we're not having a call to action and we're not demanding change, then it was for naught. You know, when we talk about Black History Month, if we're not taking that time to demand change, mm-hmm. it's for naught. You know, pride, I give it to them all day. Man. They will change Domination. some bills. I mean, like, they're, even in my company, they changing. They are they the are Kobe Bryant of oppressed right? groups. And, like, and we will man. sit here and just talk about it, but there's no action. And so we have got to be about action. What are we doing to change it? And so to me, the day with the the, um, the day without women is for you to get empowered, mm-hmm. but then to come back and do something. Do something right. Mm-hmm. If you don't do something, you know, I'm a pastor already. Probably like this girl militant, and I'm probably gonna come back even worse, right? Oh, okay. Because well, I'm already there. But you know, mm-hmm. because there's a change that has to happen, and if it's not, you're stopping God's growth. And you're going to be accountable for that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the same way when I talk about the church with all the stuff that's going on at the church isn't out there. The church used to be even in this book talked mm-hmm. about the church being the forerunner to all these changes. And the church has become complacent. The reason why people don't come to church is because the church is no longer seen as a place of refuge. A refuge just wasn't uh, the refuge was from poverty for financial literacy, for education, for for rights. It was a social thing and a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. But the church has gotten away from the social and it's all about the spiritual. But they go hand in hand. And so we've got to be, we have to do something and make a change. If we lose our voting rights, that's our fault. Mm-hmm. Right? And I definitely blame the church because the church was very active in us having the right. Right? Because they were very focal and they Mm -hmm. came together what's the biggest thing for black people the church Mm -hmm. so if you get the churches together and then you fight for rights then we may have finally hate crime right (laughs) it may finally be legal illegal they just passed that Mm -hmm. whole lynching law right literally this past week yeah they did okay yeah we got one one right about to lose you can't lynch us right about to lose Thank one you. voting. But, um, you know, and so it's important, you know, um, for us to not just take these days and say, yay, we got a month. What are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. What kind of changes are you going to make to where we don't need a month no more? Because everything's just, everything is balanced. We have it because we're saying we're not equal. Yeah. But I don't even think people take that month seriously anymore. They don't. Right. It's just for a cool social media post. Yeah. What Beyonce is run the world in the background. Right. There's no action. Women's Day became that. Women's Day was a movement. Yeah. But then we mm-hmm. made it to, well, let's wear our nice hats and have tea <laughs> and give the first lady $500 in lunch. Oh, and the husband. What? Right. That's mm. what it became. It was never a movement. <laughs> but it was, it was, it's a movement. It's a call to action. Mm. What are we doing? Yeah, and I think also like a lot of firsts, like when we, when you know, the celebration of International Women's Day and throughout this month, all we hear about is the first. And in 2022, we still have in first or like I'm a big sports person. So like the first NFL game refereed by all women or the first NBA game refereed by all women, the first coach or not even head coach, assistant coach, or even, you know, just the disparity in wages with the WNBA compared to the NBA, which we ain't even going to get into that. But anyway, like. That's something that's still shocking to me. We have so many firsts 
that are still happening when they technically haven't they're not first because if you really look into it like I think about the um I'm a Beyonce fan too um her song upgrade you with Jay-Z it's an old song but and it she's like um I could be for you what Martin did for the people ran by the men but the women keep the tempo and I think if we keep that in mind I think women's month will turn into a lot more than what it is than just yay look at all the great women that I have in my life we're gonna play Beyonce's run the world with a slideshow of all my friends and all the great women that I love on my Instagram story and happy women's day but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for um, the day without women and um, hopefully that all y'all will join mm -hmm. us and, and come and just really show how much we really do run the church. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. It'll be a great time. Um, thank you all for joining us. Um, hopefully next next month, um, the second Wednesday of the month, we'll um, be talking about the role, um, the relationship, I'm sorry, between um, fathers and their daughters and mothers and their daughters. Um, but also, um, like I said, every second Wednesday of the month, we'll be dropping our woman to women episodes. Um, look forward to Is It Just Me? The podcast episodes coming later this month. Um, we're still doing new revelation every second and fourth Saturday at 11 a.m. Um, this Saturday, the 12th is our next um, session. Um, and then March the 26th will be the second one um, for this month. Um, we're still doing the Bible studies. We're working out um, exactly what the next Bible study is going to look like since we have finished the um, Urban Apologetics book, thank God. Um, um, so yeah, definitely um, stay tuned in to all of that. Connect with us on our social medias, on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. And I believe we have a TikTok now, right? Is that what Pastor yeah. Jay said? Yeah I, yeah, I don't know the name of it, but I believe we do have a TikTok. Um, so like us on all of those, follow us on everything and stay tuned for everything that we have coming over the summer um, and in the spring and, and just throughout the year. And thank you guys again. Have a good one.